Hey everybody, I'm Joyce. And I'm Doyen Sola. And you're listening to The Confidant. A podcast where we discuss the news you need to know at the intersection of business, tech, and culture. On this episode, we're going to fill you in on Apple's record valuation, the Supreme Court's student loan ruling, Shein influencers, and the latest flying electric car. But first, Doyen, how have you been? I have been good. It is 4th of July holiday weekend. Not really, but kind of. 4th of July is on a Tuesday this year, but I already got some jerk chicken marinating in the fridge. We're going to throw it on the grill, you know what I'm saying? We're going to get some plantains, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just thinking about food right now. I'm trying to figure out where my plate is. I'll see what I can do. (laughs) (laughs) And what about you? You're in D.C. right now. Yes, I'm in the nation's capital, ready to knock on the doors of the Supreme Court. I'm actually here celebrating home ownership. A good family friend of mine just got a house, and she had a Freaknik-themed party. So everybody came up dressing their 90s best, and we had a good time just celebrating the fact that, you know, we're moving up in this world. We're getting our homes. We're getting our bags secured. It's a good time. And she buying a house with these interest rates. Okay, I see her. I see her. So this week was an interesting week. I feel like a lot happened on Friday. One of those things being that the Supreme Court blocked Biden's student loan forgiveness program. And monthly budgets at the same time are set to get even tighter as federal student loan payments are set to resume in October for millions of Americans. What's going on, Joyce? Fill us in. The proposal was really closely tied to Biden's campaign promises. If it were able to go through, it would have allowed eligible borrowers to cancel up to $20,000 in debt, and it would have cost the government up to $430 billion. But this has been blocked since October by the 8th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. This means 16 million people who were already approved for loan relief and the 26 million who applied and were waiting to hear back, they're going to have to find a new way to tackle paying back their student loans. You're so right, Joyce. People have had a break for three years due to the pandemic, but starting in September, interest rates begin accruing again on outstanding balances and October 1st minimum payments resume. And I can't help but think about people who have made entire lifestyle shifts or lifestyle choices under this assumption that my student loans are going to be wiped out one day. Let me get the car. (laughs) let me get that apartment with the balcony you know just making these decisions thinking like i'm not going to have to pay these loans again and now they have to adjust they have to rethink about their their budgets but then this will have a real impact on businesses and companies that have been benefiting from people's spending right so now the excess money in people's budgets have to be taken away from splurging on eating out or traveling and going back to tackling this debt. So I feel like we're going to really see a ripple effect here. Right. But there are some solutions that the Department of Education has announced immediately after the Supreme Court ruling came down. The Biden administration is working on other ways to give people a break. The Education Department revised their income-based loan repayment system where you'd have to pay only 5% of your discretionary income rather than 10%. They also said that loan forgiveness would be offered to borrowers with a balance of $12,000 or less after 10 years of payment 
instead of 20 years. So there has been some change that people will get some relief. It might not be as significant as getting your loans totally wiped out, but it looks much better than it was before any of this came down. Definitely. So like, how does this impact you personally, Joyce? Does it? Well, yeah, I was actually one of the 16 million that applied and got approved. I have some loans from undergrad, but mostly from grad school. And I mean, it's something that you think about in terms of how you're going to plan your life over the next couple of years. You do have to set the money aside because the worst case scenario is defaulting on your loans or even having your wages garnished. I'm not trying to have them take out of my paycheck um, an amount that I can't even control at that point. So it's something that I'm definitely paying attention to. And I'm sure millions of people are feeling pretty slighted by the government in this way. I've seen a couple of articles come up because people feel like they lost trust. It's hard when you are a voter and you're voting based on certain promises to come through and they don't. But I'm interested to see how effective this alternative plan is in terms of keeping people's confidence. Because again, remember that Biden is running for president again in 2024. Will this affect him? Won't it? We're just going to have to see. Joyce, did you hear about Apple? I did hear a little something, but fill me in. Apple is now the first publicly traded company to close above a $3 trillion market value. Now, Apple has done this before, back in January 2022. So the difference between then and now is that Apple maintained its $3 trillion valuation when shares stopped trading at the end of the day. So the last time we were together, you and I were a bit skeptical about Apple's Vision Pro release. Yes, that mixed reality headset with the $3,499 price tag. I know we were talking about whether people would adopt this tech, but that's Apple just in its experimental phase. When Apple is putting forward its portfolio of products like the phones, the watch, the computers that we already use, investors are feeling very confident. They know that Apple is a mainstay in our everyday lives. Absolutely. So even more broadly in the tech industry, there's been a lot of turbulence with the layoffs and companies looking for ways to cut back on costs. But even with Apple saying, listen, our revenue is expected to fall 3% this quarter, investors are still so confident, they're so bullish that they've driven the valuation of Apple up to $3 trillion. Like, we have to watch Apple. They could hit $4 trillion. Like, we really don't know what the ceiling is. It's so interesting to me that Apple is the company that has reached this level because, I mean, of course, Microsoft has existed for so long. You have companies like Disney, they're big legacy institutions that are known for always rising and being that thing that people can rely on to bolster their stock portfolios. Apple's doing not too bad, not too shabby. Not too shabby. Let's get into the world of fashion. So Shein, one of the fastest growing e-commerce companies, or as we know it online as Shein, Shine, whatever, people always messing up the name, but Shein is looking to rehab its image ahead of a possible public offering. It brought out a group of social media influencers to tour one of its facilities in China. The facility they brought the group of influencers to was actually in Guangzhou, China, instead of the Xinjiang region of China, 
where human rights abuses against the Uyghur community have been widely documented. So it's interesting, they took them to the nice shiny facility where there wasn't any human rights violations going on and not actually to the part of the country where there may be forced labor in their supply chain operations. Sheehan has denied claims about using forced labor, but a British documentary and another investigation by the Canadian Broadcasting Corp determined that one, employees were working up to 18 hours a day, often seven days a week, and were paid $20 a day, and sometimes were fined up to two thirds of their daily wages for making mistakes, and that their clothing had elevated levels of chemicals like lead and PFAS. Have you seen any of the videos from the influencers? The videos from this trip, if you didn't know anything about Shein, you would just think it was a nice factory tour. The walls were white, pristine. The floors were absolutely spotless. They had all this high tech happening, gadgets. They had things like AI assisted design and people sitting in these neat corners. And I've seen images of what a poorly run sweatshop looks like right people are crowded there's clothing and fabric all over the place oftentimes these conditions are really sad for people to work in when you look at it it just doesn't look humane and for these investigations from these journalistic outlets from other countries coming out what really upset some people about the influencers is not only were they on the tour itself but they were explicitly saying I heard about some of the things that Shein was accused of, but I had to go see it for myself. And I'm here to tell you that none of it's true, or I'm here to tell you that these people care about the consumer. It's hard to believe when Shein's output compared to other fast fashion companies like Gap, Zara, H&M is so much larger. There was an article from Wired quoting a professor of the global textile and apparel industry, right? And it said that Gap listed about 12,000 different items on its website over the course of a year. H&M had 25,000, Zara had 35,000, but Shein in that 12 month period had 1.3 million items. Shein advertises to a wide breadth of customers. And there's no way that those influencers had the opportunity to visit each one of its facilities. Of course, they want the company to look good and they want the reach that the influencers have. So, of course, they're going to bring them to the best possible facility to do so. Given the pushback that the influencers received from not only going on the trip, but then aiding in this sort of publicity stunt just kind of shows the responsibility that influencers do have. If you're going to put your name and your face and be associated with a company, I think you can't sort of just take what they tell you face value and just say, yeah, like make a video about how great our facilities are, which it's my guess that that was probably the directions that they were given. And they kind of just went along with it. It's not enough to just be an influencer and make content and, you know, try on clothes. Now you got to know what's going on around the world. You have to know the geopolitical implications. No, seriously, there's been a lot of conversation now about ethics in content creation and mm -hmm. the responsibility that people have. Now, granted, Shein is not the only company considered a fast fashion company. The congressional report was about fast fashion as a whole. And... Many of the places that we shop from on the regular are considered fast fashion. 
And so it's really a whole industry-wide problem. I think that this incident has put Shein in the spotlight, but fashion as a whole needs to address its issues with labor, its issues with pollution and overproducing, because these are things that have a true global impact. Shein and this set of influencers is the focus for today, but next week, next month, next year, it'll be another company and we'll be having the same discussion about how companies should be treating their workers and how people should go about the partnerships that they promote online. The Federal Aviation Administration has issued Alif Aeronautics, a Californian company, a special airworthiness certification for its fully electric vehicle that can take flight. Taking flight into the future. <laughs> 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 the company said it is now taking pre-orders and the vehicle is expected to cost around $300,000. So this is a car for the ballers. This is a car for the money makers, the movers and shakers. Wait, how much does an average car cost though? The average car in the U.S. costs about $48,000. Let's look at some luxury cars. <laughs> Yeah, let's see, because I'm trying to get a sense. Is this in the luxury space? The average price of a Ferrari is $200,000 to $400,000. Okay, yeah, so you're right. This car is being targeted towards the ballers. The luxury consumer base, for sure. Now that Alif has the stamp of approval from the FAA, they're now clear to road and air test the car. It is still under its experimental phase, so anything goes. But some of the features that the Model A car has, it's fully electric, it's a low-speed vehicle that seats up to two people, and it can drive up to 200 miles on public roads, fits in a regular lane, and can go inside of your garage. But the feature that has everyone talking is that it can launch vertically into the air, and it has a flying range of 110 miles. I don't know if that's very far, though. I feel like 110 miles in the air versus on the ground are two different things. Granted, the distance is the same, but it might not feel like you're getting that far. If we're looking at 110 miles from Manhattan, that's Atlantic City, a little bit over that, or maybe somewhere deep into Pennsylvania. Interesting. Because I'm trying to think what would be the use case for a car that maximum it can fly 110 miles. Now, does that mean it can fly 110 miles before it runs out of gas? I don't really know what the cap is for the 110 miles, but I'm just thinking maybe when you're just trying to circumvent some traffic, it's like you're driving, you're driving, you're like, we've hit traffic. You you check Google Maps uh, for the next 50 miles, back up traffic. You go, doom, doom, <laughs> <laughs> The company actually says that this is good for avoiding traffic. And also you can fly in any direction. So forward, backward, side to side. It's not set up like a regular car either. You sit inside of this little hub, it rotates like a gimbal, and you have a 180-degree view for a safe and enjoyable flight. But I feel like something like that would make me dizzy. Who's flying this thing? Do I need to get, do I need to get a special pilot's license, or would I be considered a pilot? How do you train to be able to operate this kind of vehicle? 
that's my question exactly. Like, am I going to have to get a road slash air license? What is the training for this going to be like? This isn't the first aircraft of its kind that the FAA has issued a special airworthiness certificate. And in other countries, there are different aircrafts that are in different stages of development. So is it going to be uniform across countries, across vehicles that if I know how to operate this, you know, car slash plane, I can operate that one? Mm-mm. I feel like it's going to be how in the U.S. you drive on the right side, but then you go to the U.K. and everybody's driving on the left. I agree with you, but I can tell that we just really as a society want to get to a point where flying cars are commonplace. I feel like that's the one thing that engineering is like, we got to do this. We got to do it. (laughs) That lust for that space age type of lifestyle has been ongoing forever. Remember the Jetsons? We thought we'd be here already in the year 2023, but I would say we have a long way to go because the tech is already out there. It might not be too long, until this is something that we see on our highways and byways, the founders of Aleph Aeronautics were actually inspired by the movie Back to the Future 2. Back in 2015, they felt that because Marty McFly was flying an electric car in the future, year 2015, they're like, well, we need to have this now. We need to get it started. And you know what, from what I've seen, from what I've researched, we could see some flying cars as early as 2024, but it is just a matter of engineering and regulation. I did see that they're going to have to still meet the National Highway and Trapping Safety Administration standards and honestly figure out who's eligible to drive because I know a few people do not need to be passing through the air. Can you imagine? We have road rage. Imagine air rage. You're rolling down your window. The wind is pulling your skin back. And you're like, you cut me off. (laughs) (laughs) What about parking? Imagine you pull up to the function. You can't find a place to park. So you're like, let me just put this car up on top of the Burger King across the street. They won't mind. You know what I actually thought of now that you said that? If you, you know how people are waiting for their spot and sometimes people just drive in and cut you off. Now you have to think about people floating from above you and taking your parking spot. It's going to change the game. There needs to be laws in place. Before we wrap up, I think it's time for a little something sweet. Doyen, what you feeling? It is summertime and you know what that means. Three words. Love Island, UK. Bow. <laughs> and I don't know if you watch Love Island, but it is the most entertaining show. Think about your average trashy reality television show, but then add UK accents and romance. And daily episodes. And daily episodes. I just watch it, honestly, to practice my UK accent. Like, are you trying to mug me off? Don't look like a mug. You know, I'm not trying to put all my eggs in one basket. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? Like, someone could really come in and turn my head, you know? He has good chat, yeah? He has good chat? Good banter? I don't know. He kind of gives me the ick. (laughs) Girl, do you watch Love Island? You sounded like you do. I do. I honestly have not caught up, but it is on my list. I skip through the episodes, to be honest, because there are just so many. And sometimes they just sit around the pool and talk all day. So 
I need to get to the juicy bits. The point is that they're talking, they're grafting, they're getting to know each other. Like, I refuse to miss a minute of it and you skipping through the episodes. Because I'm trying to get to the, the fun episodes where the challenge comes up and then you see somebody else make out with somebody else. Man, when you see them go to Casa Amor. Listen, you're behind, but I actually, once we get off of this episode, I'm actually going to go watch the Casa Amor episode. So what about you, Joyce? What's going on with you? What's happening this week? I'm getting ready to see Burna Boy perform live in effect. I'm excited because I've been a big fan for a few years, but it'll be my first time seeing the African giant in person. And it's going to be a good time. Me and my homegirl are going out there to Queens and... We're going to listen to a couple of his songs. Doyen, are you a Burna Boy fan at all? I am a huge Burna Boy fan. Um, I really love his music. I think he's super talented. So have fun. He's also an amazing performer, so you're going to love it. Oh, yeah. See, and uh, another one of the UK terms that I really love and have adopted as my own to describe him, I would say Burna Boy... He incorporates a lot of vim in his performances. <laughs> like he's, he's not the kind of performer who's gonna come and stand up on stage and put it down a stool and sit in front of the mic and give you a couple of bars and go. He dances, he sings, he brings out performers. He definitely has amazing stage presence. And he's come such a long way. So even that alone makes every one of his shows worth it. Exactly. So I'll make sure to take some pictures for you. And, you know, maybe we can bring them on the pod, do a little backstage. You know, a little, a little backstage. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for listening to another episode of The Confidant. We'll see you next time. See ya.